mixed martial arts and boxing fans. It's time for Fighters Fury, Inside the Heart of a Champion, with your hosts, Brendan Tobin, Seema, and Tommy Guns. It's time for Fighters Fury on AM790, The Ticket. All right, let's get through this thing, everybody. Happy Sunday. Everybody stay dry out there. It was a wicked drive down here with the, the rain and the nastiness on the highway. And you know how people get crazy down here anyway. People don't know what the hell they're doing on the roads. Then throw the elements into it. Woo! You would think by now we'd be experts on that. Like, I always hear this about L.A. Like, legitimately, in, in Los Angeles, if it ever rains, people don't know how to drive. It's it's not a function. You would think with us, we would be like black belts in it. You would think we would, we would have the utmost ex- expertise in driving in rain. Seeing as, like, there's four months out of the year where it rains every afternoon. But nope. Nope. Not a thing. Never going to be a thing down here, is it? I don't, I, I don't believe so. But anyway, we have a lot to get into today. This was a fun week as far as mixed martial arts and boxing was concerned. We'll get into the action from last night. It was a very busy, busy night for the fight fan. Uh, I got a chance to go out to see some uh, Titan FC this weekend with my co-host in the afternoons, Leroy Horde. Uh, we were privileged to get the chance to sit cage side for that. So I'll talk about some of the action that I saw there. But the big news locally, and it's, it's, uh, it's not often that we get big local fight news as far as stuff that's going to get national national exposure and that is that it appears the UFC is going to be headed down to Miami this year after a 16th month absence after really not being in South Florida since 2015 when they were at the the Hard Rock it looks like signs are pointing to the UFC coming to the American Airlines Arena on April 27th which would be absolutely awesome um it's about time. It's about time that they they finally give this place a crack. It actually looks like they're going to give them uh, a big, big-time fight because one that I think everybody has been excited about for a long time has been Yoel Romero taking on Paulo Costa. What a china. Uh, they were, we've, been, we've been hoping to get that fight for a long time, and it's been, it's been put on the back burner for a little bit. Essentially, looking at those two guys as, as potential... Um, title contenders, whoever comes out of that on top. We got a fight in a couple weeks with Anderson Silva taking on Israel Adesanya as well. Um, you know, middleweight's about as healthy as it's been in a long time. But man, that's a monster fight. You all remember, I think a draw like uh, like a monster down here. Um, I think I think you're obviously tying it to um, how how he's, he's he trains down here. A lot of the support that he's going to get locally from the guys in this market. I think it's a home run matchup, man, and I think this also comes with the uh, with the help that you have the ESPN machine behind it. This is one of the cities that has an ESPN presence with everybody with the uh, the Levitard show and everything they do over there. Um, I think they could do it really right, and I think that this can be an absolute home run for the UFC and get the trips down here more regularly. You know, it's tough that we as a market of, of sports fans have had to shake the the bandwagon or terrible fans or don't show up to anything for a long, long time. But if you do do it right, nobody does big offense in this town better than any sports city in America. When it, when it is the place to be, when it is the thing to go see, I, I mean, I've been to a lot of big-time sporting events all around the country, and, and this place does it as good as anybody in the country. They really, really do. And I think that this is a big-time fight. I think this is a big time. It's going to be a big time card. I know a lot of people who train down here um, are excited and want to be on this card. So I think you're going to have a lot of people raising their hands saying, this is the place I want to be. This is the place where I want to fight. Um, it's a monster. It's a monster. And I think that if, if, if the fight fans do it right, and I know that we have a lot of passionate fans who listen to this show. We have a lot of fans that go out to the local scenes and go out to the local shows. You know, this is, this is an opportunity to show up and show, what kind of fans you can be if you want this to become a regular thing because I think it should be a regular thing. I think this could be a place where the UFC could come annually and say, man, this that we got to come back to Miami. Got to come back to Miami. I mean, you know, they, they're saying they want to go to the, the outskirts of Canada every single year. Think about that. I mean, this is one of the most glamorous cities in the world when it comes to hosting big-time events. And so the fact that you have all these hotbeds of, of of training camps down here, whether it's in Coconut Creek, whether it's in Fort Lauderdale, whether it's in Miami, with um with with all those great camps there, you know the talent pool could be incredible. It really, I think if they did it right, could turn into 
just one of the most dynamic cards of the year. You know, maybe not the one that grabs the most headlines. I'm not talking like it's going to be pay-per-view worthy um, as far as like Conor McGregor or anything like that. But knowing the kind of killers that train at those gyms down here and the guys that are UFC quality, I really, really think they could stack it the right way. It would be, it, it, it could be something special, really something special. So I was very fired up to hear that this week. It's been a long time coming. I thought that. You know, they wouldn't even consider making this move if they couldn't put a title fight here. But they got the right guy. I know the guy that they wanted to build that around was Yoel Romero defending a title or, or going for a title. But he is, he's charismatic. People want to see him fight. He's got a fun fight style. He's been in fight of the years with, with Robert Whitaker. Um, if you can't get behind that guy fighting and the guy he is fighting in Paulo Costa, I don't know what kind of fight is going to work for you. I mean, at that point... It's it, it's going to take something freakish to get you out because those guys, um, I think, are are tailor-made to give you unbelievable action for five rounds. So very, very cool to see. Uh, I, was, I was very fired up. Now, as far as where it stands confirmation-wise, look, it first came out of Kimbate uh, out of Brazil, which you would think is coming somewhere from Paulo Costa's camp. That's where he's from. Um Yoel's management, they seem very into wanting to do this. Uh, the guys at First Round Management, I know that they've been a big force behind this as well. Um, I guess right now the situation is that Yoel is on this reality show, and I wish I knew the name of it because uh, I see all the clips on Instagram, but he's doing this He's doing this reality show. It's kind of, it looks like American Ninja Warrior crossed with Survivor kind of, and it, it, it airs on Telemundo. Uh, Jorge Masvidal did it, and... You all's doing that right now, and as as per reality show, you can't get in touch with the guy, so they can't really confirm it with him. But they have the idea that he wants this fight. Like the you know the idea of fighting in Miami appeals to him greatly. Having his base here, having the people who want to go support him there, obviously not having to travel for a fight card, just getting to do it here. Um, they're confident that he's going to want to do it. So it's been. A thing that people who listen to the show know we want for, for just something, something big. And this isn't to take anything away from the the great promotions that we have locally who do really, really great work. Um, but there is something to having the big boys come down to town and and you get to roll the red carpet out for them and, and show that you know you guys can host this type of thing. There, there is something to that. So the fact that. It's finally going to come to an end. You gotta hope as as people who consume the sport down here that we're going to be able to do it right and that the fans are gonna show up and that's gonna be big time. Because I think it will be. You know, this is a different time than it was sixteen years ago. The sports in a different place, um, the exposure's in a different place, the fans are different. You know, that's another thing that has to be considered. You know, the the people that were watching the sport sixteen years ago aren't necessarily the people who are watching it today. Um there's 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 a youngness to it. There's people who are who are getting in, and falling in love with the sport that weren't necessarily it wasn't even in their sports universe that time that time ago. So the fact that they got a chance now to put forth this event is uh, is really really cool. So can't wait. We'll continue to follow it. Obviously, if it does come down here, we're going to be doing a ton of coverage for it and bring everything we can for it. You know, uh, you know, you guys know how we do it with that stuff. Um, so we get to uh, where we were Friday night. In a little bit. I do want to get into some of the action from last night. Uh, the big news. We had Bellator had their finale. They were doing their heavyweight Grand Prix finale. Ryan Bader versus Fedor Emelianenko for the heavyweight championship. The heavyweight Grand Prix championship. And Ryan Bader did work. Ryan Bader finished Fedor very, very quickly. Hit him with a, a monster lead left hook. Put Fedor down. Finished him up with... Uh, with a right hand while Fader was uh, on the ground, a couple more hammer fists, and it was all she wrote. So Ryan Bader is now a two-division champion with Bellator. He has had the most successful run out of any of the UFC guys who have come over from Bellator. You know, it hasn't, it hasn't gone fantastic for all the guys that you think, oh, they're going to come from the UFC and they're going to go over to Bellator and it's they're going to clean everybody up. Not necessarily. Look, this is mixed martial arts and... As much as you want to tailor make stuff for for other guys, it's uh, it's 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 still those small gloves, the small margin for error. But Ryan Bader has dusted up 
basically everybody he's stepped into the Bellator cage with since he's gotten over there. And now he's a two-division champion. Um, you have a light heavyweight who's now their heavyweight champion. And I, the one thing I'll say about it, it's, it's a really great thing that they have Ryan Bader in this dominant position. I don't really know where they go from here with him as far as what the next move is because I would say the natural guy who was going to get a shot at heavyweight there was going to be Matt Mitrium, but he already beat him. Like Mitrium was probably going to get the heavyweight title shot when it wasn't going to be a tournament. It was just going to be Mitrium, you know, maybe taking on Fedor or somebody like that for a vacant heavyweight championship. He's beaten him along the way. You know, he beat King Mo, who is uh, who's a crazy person stepping up into being in a, in a, in a heavyweight in a heavyweight tournament, but you know that guy says no to nobody. Um, and then Ryan Bader beating the legend of Fedor, who who knows how much time he has left. But the thing with Bader is like, okay, well, where does he go from here? He really has done all there is to do, and feels like he's kind of beaten everybody there is to beat in Bellator. And you know, he was a guy who's always looked upon as one of the most talented guys to never win a UFC title, and didn't have this exciting, the most exciting style when he was in the UFC. But where does he go from here? Like, this is, he's done, it feels like he's done everything there is to do there. He's, he's got three belts around his, around his waist and shoulders yesterday while he's getting interviewed. And they're like, all right, well, where do we go from here? He's like, I don't know. I don't know where we go from here. I know that that was an absolutely awesome finish for him. And I think the knock that Ryan Bader wasn't exciting um, has been shaken a little bit with some of the, 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 knockouts that he's had along the victory, the knock that he had over King Mo, and now what he did to Fedor yesterday, who uh, you know some consider the greatest heavyweight of all time. For him to have those type of wins is is incredible. But where does Bellator go as far as the building is concerned here? You know, they have a really fun fight coming up in a couple of weeks with uh with MVP versus Paul Daly. Um they're building a lot of their young stable around like AJ McKee and one of the guys they really wanted to build around was Aaron Pico, but you know, in the end, it is still in the spot of mostly known as a place where UFC guys go when their run kind of comes to an end and legends. You know, I think Bellator is getting in the fun spot of they're giving high profile guys kind of like Jake Hager yesterday or, you know, Kimbo Slice Jr. or any of these guys that they know people will care about and want to and want a chance, but don't necessarily want to get thrown to the Sharks. That's a good place to go in Bellator. But as far as showing the creme de la creme of where guys can absolutely go, you know, when we look at Michael Chandler and we look at Ryan Bader, once they do reach that that mountaintop, is there anything else for them to do? Once they get that gold around their waist, you know, Michael Chandler had this unfinished business of having to beat Brent Primus and, and Ryan Bader had this this unfinished business of wanting to become a champion, a, big, uh, a, a champion in a big-time organization. He's done that. But now that that's done, is any part of them going to want to look over? Because, you know, if we look at if we look at people like Ryan Bader and what they could bring to the UFC, it, does it feel like he's going to be the same old guy? Or does it feel like, okay, he's been gone a little bit. He went and, 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 and destroyed everybody. Does it feel like if he were to end his run at Bellator and go over to the UFC that there would be new shine on him. People would want to see him at 205. Uh, they want to see him at heavyweight. I mean, he's a big dude. I mean, he dwarfed over Fedor yesterday. And I know Fedor's not the biggest heavyweight in the world and certainly not the most chiseled, but even still, um, Bader looked like he took that division very, very well. So I, I think that's that's the interesting part of that. We know there's been some heat in the past with him and Daniel Cormier. I think the interesting thing would be with him... Um, you know, can he be a feature guy for Bellator? Can people want to just tune in to see him? Because I think for the most part, he's just been the guy who showed up. And he talked about this yesterday, of being the guy who is just at the tournament and just has to win, and the results will play out for themselves. And I think if you were to look at the guys he took on, King Mo, obviously one of the most charismatic characters in mixed martial arts. People love tuning in to watch him. Uh, he's a people that He's a guy that people care about watching. Um, personality goes with the skill set. Uh, Matt Mitrione, same thing. Great talker, great personality. Always can sell a fight. Um, always dynamic, always charismatic. And then you have the mystique of Fedor, which kind of speaks for itself, especially for the nostalgic mixed martial arts fan. 
So Beto really didn't have to do, I think, a lot of heavy lifting as far as people caring to tune in to watch him. They were going to care. The tournament had a gimmick, a nice gimmick to itself. Um, but when we looked at that field, people were like, yeah, he's probably the best guy. He's he's definitely the best guy in, in this, but is this enough to vault Ryan Bader anywhere? You know, is is being a two-division champion in Bellator a, a enough for the UFC to go, all right, we want to bring him back, or is it enough for them to invest a lot around him and say, this is our guy? Because when a guy is a two-division champion, you know, they're putting him in the, in the likes of Conor McGregor, Daniel Cormier, Amanda Nunes, all those, all those, those great, great fighters. When he is a two division champion, he's representing your organization. You really gotta be careful with what you do as far as promoting him for his next fight. I don't really know what the next move is for them there. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's. There is a danger in being in being that dominant in two places because who do you get to throw out? Do you wait until you know the next guy gets upset with the UFC and falls out, and you know Glover Teixeira's run ends and you could do him versus Ryan Bader and Bellator again. Do you wait until an Alexander Gustafson decides, all right, this isn't for me. I'm going to go try and win gold in Bellator. I don't know. But I do think that there's a little bit of a give and go with both of them as far as, all right, does Bader have anything else to do here? Does the UFC want him back? Maybe his contract's such that he is getting treated way better with Bellator. I don't know those details. But I do know that he has done everything that he possibly could do with when he when he signed that contract to come over to this promotion. He has accomplished everything. So is there anything else to do here? Or does he just want to build and be the guy there? It's an interesting thing to watch out for. We'll get into the rest of the stuff that went down in fight night. We were at Titan FC this past Friday. We'll get into some of the stuff from there as well. We'll be back right after this. It's Fighters Fury on AM790, the ticket. All right, welcome back, guys. Butters Fury here on the ticket. Tobin here with you. So on Friday night, uh, Leroy and I went over to Extreme Action Park. We went to see Titan FC 52. We had a uh, featherweight champ, Jason Suarez, in studio with us about a week and a half ago as he was coming in to promote his fight with uh, Titan President Lex McMahon. And uh, man, first of all, Jason Suarez had a vicious win. It was crazy because... Um, look, he was in there and he was, uh, he was, he was pretty much dominating every facet of the game. You know, it's a guy who, um, hasn't gotten a fight in a year in just being able to, to be active. You know, there was, he didn't want to go Titan went over to like uh, Kazakhstan or something like that. Didn't want to go there. Wanted to stay local. So he is very, very, I mean, this is, this is a strong man for 145. He is, uh, he, he's built like a house. Very good wrestler. He likes to look for the submission. Um, nearly got a guillotine choke. I mean, he was dominating uh, Uruguay on the round, on the ground, excuse me, and um, ended up they getting they they end up getting stood up, and he hits. I mean, Suarez hits him with this vicious uppercut that probably put him out already. But the ref was so far on the other side of the cage. Couldn't get to him. So Jason is following up. He hits him with one, two, three, four hammer fists right on his face. He's flatlined. I'm telling you, this this happened six feet in front of me and Leroy. We were sitting like we were sitting right there, cage side, and this was on the side of the cage where we were. So we saw this all go down and we're like, oh damn. Like that referee didn't come close to breaking that up. Um so uh, Kayo Uruguay's car, uh, corner is very, very pissed. One guy's trying to jump the cage. Another lady jumps in, which is always something. Like, you know, you got these people who are who are out there throwing each other around for, for five minutes at a time. They're exhausted. And then you got all these people who have not been in, engaged in fighting. They want to go in there and then go fight. It's, it's never a good situation. And so it's a little bit chaotic as things are going down. Um, you know, people are very upset with one another. You got... Uh, Uruguay is uh, is laid out on the canvas. They have to bring the oxygen for him to get him upright. I mean, it was a vicious, vicious knockout. One of the most vicious you'll see. Um, you know, it, it was it was a it was a hectic situation, which kind of sucked because ultimately Suarez just put forth a a great performance where he dominated a dude on the ground, nearly submitted him. They got up and then 
dominated it on the feet. So he put forth such a well-rounded performance that kind of got uh, hicked up with with a little bit of controversy because the referee didn't get to him uh, fast enough. Did he hit him probably one too many times? Yeah, he hit him extra, but like I, I don't know what he's supposed to do in that time. You got a guy in there who's who's trained to to fight until somebody stops you. You know, we just had the situation last week in in uh, in UFC with TJ Dillashaw, Henry Cejudo, where you know maybe the ref was a little bit too quick, but ultimately you got to respect what the referee tells you if you're a fighter. Um, otherwise, you're looked upon as the dirty guy if you don't. So, referee's got to be in better position in that in that in that regard. He's got to he's got to stay there. So, um. Jason before the great performance, man. Uh, he looks like the total package, um, and and uh, and I say that with a little bit of bias because I've gotten a chance to to talk to the guy a little bit off the air, and um, obviously think he's a, he's a he's a he's a good gentleman, and um, obviously takes his craft very very seriously um, with the with the way he's put together physically, and doesn't look like he has a lot of holes, but um, great performance by him, and it'd be it'd be cool to see him on the uh, on the on the big stage, and I don't know if he'll get that call up for. Um, for April, but he really, uh, he really was impressive. Very, very impressive. It was a, it was a crazy, crazy night. Uh, also one of the, uh, the good performances yesterday or on Friday was this Gustavo Ballard who Lex was telling me about four eleven. That's right. Four foot, 11 inches tall. We man. And this dude knocked his opponent out in 20 seconds. Crazy, crazy. Antoine's looking at me like, what? That's right. 20 seconds, hit him with a monster left hand, put him out. Uh, very, very cool. It was a very, very cool uh, situation. And I don't know what the future is. The flyweights in uh, Titan FC is. We know what the UFC and it's a broadcast on UFC Fight Pass. So maybe that'll be where their home is. I don't know. Um, but that guy, uh, I can obviously see, like, if you have a if you have a guy who's 125 pounds, 4'11", who can knock mother bleepers out, that's obviously something because that package is put together so differently, you know. Like most guys at flyweight aren't going to be tall, but four eleven is crazy short, and so he's a, he's a he's a swole four eleven. It was uh it was it was something to see, man. It was crazy. There was a lot of crazy finishes on this card, man. It was a fun night. Uh, the crowd was packed. Um, really really fun. Uh, this this dude Jamie Alvarez who trains an American Top Team, he had this incredible comeback where. He was getting busted up by his opponent, Jorge Calvo. Um, nose was bloody. Face was bloody. Looked like Calvo was probably going on his way to a 2-0 two, uh, lead as far as rounds were concerned. And then right as the round was ending, uh, Alvarez just unloads on him and puts him out right before the right before the horn sounds. Huge victory by him. It was a it was a fun night, man. A lot of a lot of crazy stuff going down. And, you know, this was another thing that was crazy. So in the midst of the car, there was like a blackout. As far as the television broadcast was concerned, a fuse box broke up. And so they had, it was like a good hour delay. This was like a humming. Leroy and I were like, damn, this card is, this, this card is going to be done by like 1030. And there ended up being like this, you know, this ended up being like this, this one hour break. And, you know, I couldn't imagine these fighters probably think, yeah, 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 I'm going. It's it, this thing's humming along. We're going to be in the cage. And now you got this, 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 this delayed to deal with because stupid fuse box blew out and they got this isn't like uh, just a card that's um, for just for the crowd. If it was just for the crowd, they could keep going. But this is being broadcast on UFC Fight Pass. It's a big deal for their promotion. So they got to get that thing up and running. You got to go up there like a like a koala bear. Go get the cables down. Go run an extension cord to go get. It's it's it was like going to my old TV production days at Barry University to make sure you're back on the broadcast. It was wild, but a fun night. It was a fun fun night as far as yesterday was concerned. So, um. We'll we'll wrap up some of the Bellator stuff because we got to get into some of the boxing that went down as well yesterday. Uh, the big headlines out of yesterday you had Aaron Pico, who suffered a really devastating loss to Henry Corrales yesterday. Pico has been a guy who is now six and two, I think is his, is his record, or is it four and two? He um he was so highly touted coming into mixed martial arts. Uh, this guy who debuted at Madison Square Garden and ended up suffering a submission loss after getting cracked, goes down to 145 pounds and has had some of the most highlight reel knockouts you'll see as far as what he's doing to his opponent. Really brought the body shot into mixed martial arts, which we haven't been seeing. His boxing is 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 
pretty is pretty pretty dynamic. But this guy, when he gets somebody hurt, he goes for blood, and he does not he does not do anything calculated. Like it it is it is you know his like they they were calling him the Iron Fisted Matador, but. He went after that thing like a bull. Like, he he got Henry Corrales really hurt yesterday with an uppercut. Goes right in for the kill. Um, Corrales is able to get his wits about him. They they end up back in an exchange uh, on the feet. And they're both throwing shots. You know, Pigo's trying to end it with one of those signature body shots. And in the midst of it, takes an overhand right, which just absolutely crushes him. Crushes him. And fight's over. Pigo's now suffered two really really um devastating losses like this hasn't been this isn't hit this hasn't been pico losing and going the distance like every one of his fights have only been in the first round two of them have been losses um and they both of those losses have come in uh pretty vicious fashion so you have this guy who was you know espn was touting him up as like the hot prospect of mixed martial arts he's going to be the guy and Lord, man, like you see the skill sets. They talk about his wrestling. We haven't really even seen it in the octagon yet or in the Bellator cage. Excuse me. Um, you obviously see how great that boxing is. You know, he works with Freddie Roach. Uh, he, 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 uh, he works with a good camp. But damn, like this is a guy who they've even changed weight classes for. The other thing that's that's interesting about it, though, is with Aaron Pico, you know, they this guy isn't going to one of the lower circuits and is trying to work things out there. You know, this guy is on national television from the jump or on pay-per-view from the jump. And that's how that career is blossoming right before our very eyes. We're going to see all the warts. We're going to see all the, the places you mess up because there's so much that they are learning. You know, some of these young guys, they're just trying to perfect everything. That's why, like, in the prime, the prime of mixed martial artists sometimes doesn't even really come until they're... 2930 because it takes so long to put all those pieces together. Now you have a guy who's 22 years old is just a genuine looked upon as a genuine freak as far as you know that is so much rarer than the guys who are in their late 20s who are finally crafting it all together, get the record right, are able to get fights, build up that record and also look good doing it. It's a it's a tough tough game. And so Aaron Pico, while it's great that he's going to, you know, you get the opportunity to see him become a star, if he loses, everyone's going to think, hey, this guy is just built up to a lot of nothing. This is all a hype train. This is all just marketing. And I think we see with him, there is a flaw there. There, there definitely is a flaw as far as him knowing what toolbox to go to. He seems very in love with the boxing and the hands. Doesn't, And I think feels like he's so ahead of everybody with his hands that he can't get touched. And now we've seen him get touched twice. And so the offense that he could go put out there is dynamic. And he's hitting shots that a lot of guys won't even think about defending the body shots. Um, But, you know, he's left himself open and he's so aggressive that it feels like he's got a lot of he's got a lot of rebuilding to do now that he's got these two types of losses and it may be unfair because he's 22 years old and you should be allowed to work that work that over it's not to say that he may not be world champion one day maybe he will be i don't know but this for me shows that there's still the even if you have what seem is the perfect package, it still takes a lot of work to put that all together and execute it in the cage. And you know, this is a guy who's touted as having all this wrestling skill set and and being so far ahead of everybody on the ground. But what does it mean if you don't know how to execute it? What does it mean if you don't know where to go into the bag of tricks? So it'll be interesting to watch with Aaron Pico. We saw also yesterday they had Jake Hager, aka Jack Swagger. Uh, make his way to the ring. Uh, I miss the Jack Swagger thing in WWE. Like, uh, I'm not a person who hates wrestling. I'll always peek in if something's uh, got some buzz of some people. Missed the Jack Swagger thing. Uh, so didn't vibe with him that much. He he beat this uh, he beat this dude uh, pretty soundly. Took him down immediately. He used his wrestling pretty immediately. Went to an arm choke. Boom. That's all she wrote. 
Um, the one thing I found weird about it, Bellator didn't really shy away from the wrestling thing with him. They introduced him as former WWE champion, which I found weird because we're in real fighting. And also he's doing his wrestling gimmick. We the people, like that was his gimmick, I guess. One of his gimmicks was like, I guess the best way to put it is he was MAGA before MAGA. That was kind of his gimmick in, in pro wrestling. But he's doing the gimmick while he's coming to the ring. And I'm just like, huh, that's something. And it's not a cool gimmick either. So I don't feel like people were getting behind it at all. And so you just had this guy, you know, I, he, he looked great. Skill set, fi- the fight stuff, that's all cool. But uh, I don't know if that was that was vibing with people as far as the We The People stuff. I don't know. Didn't feel like it was. We'll get into some of the boxing from yesterday. Keith Thurman made his return. Jaime Munguia had a fight as well. Uh, we'll get into some of the action from there. And where things stand with the heavyweight division. We got a chance to talk to Jarrell Miller this week on the Midday Show. So we'll uh, we'll let you know what Big Baby had to say and whether or not he's close to a fight with Anthony Joshua. That's next. It's Fighters Fury on AM790, The Ticket. All right, welcome back, guys. It's opening with you on Fighters Fury. Last night, a little boxing action. You had Keith one-time Thurman making his return to the boxing ring after a 22-month layoff. I like Keith Thurman. That's a... It's been rough. It's been rough seeing a guy who was atop the welterweight division, one of the most fruitful divisions in boxing, and he hasn't really gotten to defend. You know, this is a guy who obviously made his name uh, under his nickname where he was knocking mother bleepers out, but also has beaten the tops of the tops in the division since he's been there. But I will say this, with his layoff happening, and this is always a danger when you're out, um, I would say he's been almost an afterthought as far as that welterweight division is concerned. Most people now look upon the best in that division as being Errol Spence and being Terrence Crawford. And so what has Keith Thurman got to do to get back in that picture? Because I would say the immediate thing should be that he's got to fight Errol Spence as soon as possible. You know, this talk yesterday about him fighting Manny Pacquiao, I wasn't really into it at all. It didn't, it didn't, it didn't vibe with me as far as a matchup I was very interested in. Um, I don't feel like it benefits Keith Thurman in the long run, just beating Manny Pacquiao. I I know financially that that comes with a lot, but, you know, I I saw him yesterday. I saw a guy against this Josecito Lopez, and, you know, people would see that 113-113 scorecard and say, man, that, that guy, that, that judge was on crack. What was he seeing? For the most part, I would agree with you. It was not a draw. He was winning the fight, but while I was watching that fight, I was saying to myself, I wouldn't be surprised if Keith is going to get jobbed on one of these cards. He was going basically backwards for the majority of the fight. Josecito Lopez was getting, he was like in zombie mode. He got put on the canvas early, but was pretty much walking through and he was hitting Keith with some shots. You know, a lot of the times these judges who are dum-dums, they get swayed by like one big shot in an exchange so a guy who is getting the majority of the shots, if you're watching, the one thing I like about Fox, Fox is a punch counter, which is cool. I like that. That's a fun thing to their broadcast. Um, you know, he's dominating. He's hitting the most shots. He's the more accurate fighter. But when a guy's going forward and then all of a sudden he hits you with one haymaker, it'll sway some people. It'll sway some people. People don't like guys that go backwards. They will, they will reward aggression, and they will also be swayed a little bit by a guy who feels like, he is uh, he's outgunned in a fight. If he comes through and he makes the the quote unquote champ or the A side look bad, once in a while there'll be a referee who's like, no 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 no, the A side's not winning here. I'm gonna go with Josezito Lopez. So I was not surprised seeing that there was a card that went Lopez's way. It was a wrong card. I would hope that card was more leaning Keith Thurman and maybe was a little bit closer, like the 115 111. I could see arguments for it. I could. Um, you know, if you're if you're just purely scoring it, probably should have been a lot more lopsided. But if you're a person that does reward aggression and you gave Lopez credit for the, the, the big punches that he did land, I'm not surprised that it was where it was. Did Keith Thurman look like he was amongst the elite welterweights in the division? I would say that was a tougher fight than you would hope for for a guy that is supposed to be one of the best of the best at that division. With Errol Spence, 
with Terrence Crawford. Um, he was in a dogfight. You know, there was there were there were some there were some really shaky moments there. Seventh round where you know he gets hit with a shot and <laughs> you got the who the hell is that referee? That guy is hilarious. I just saw this in Antonio Tarver's page. The dude who's got the amazing uh he's got the amazing reactions to punch. He was he was there working yesterday. I'll bring it up right now because I mean he has the absolute best reactions. Go to, go to Antonio Tarver's uh <laughs> Steve Willis. Go to Antonio Tarver's Instagram page. Do yourself a favor and go see Steve Willis's reaction to this one shot that that uh that Keith Thurman took. Because Steve Willis, there's there's a bunch of reaction to this dude. He is like, he's got the ooh reaction to like anytime a guy gets hit. You know, this referee is supposed to be like this neutral party, and he's supposed to keep this calm head. Not Steve Willis. Steve Willis is so into it more than any other referee. He's like, damn! He's, he's just like, he's like, this guy just got, like, he, he he's so into it almost as a fan. It's so hilarious every time they slow it down. But anyway, um, you know, for Keith Thurman, like, somebody's going to get that in that PBC brand. Somebody's going to get the Pacquiao fight. So, you know what's... Set yourself up financially. Good for good for Keith Thurman. It's just for me as a fan, seeing Keith Thurman, I want to see him amongst the best guys there. And I would hope that the natural progression would be let's get to the uh let's get to the Errol Spence fight because odds are we're not gonna get Errol Spence versus Terrence Crawford anytime soon. But Keith Thurman is is the former guy. And it's just taking tune everybody up. I just feel like the Pacquiao fight, one. I do think it's a dangerous fight for him for, for, for a couple of, one, you know, he was, there were moments where he was getting hit yesterday by, he was getting hit yesterday by Josecito Lopez. And I think Pacquiao can get to him. Second, we haven't quite seen the dynamic punching power that he was known for coming up. The fact that he's got injured shoulder, injured hand, all that reconstruction that's gone there. Can he really cut loose? You know, I think a guy with Pacquiao, a guy that can get hit uh, and has been, has had the lights put out before, you know, if you're Keith Thurman, you want to be in there completely primed knowing that Pacquiao doesn't want to risk going inside on you because you could, you could put it out. I don't know. I just, I, I, I do think that that matchup can cause some, some trouble for him, but someone's got to fight him on the PBC side of the tracks. That's for sure. You know, and I don't know what's going to happen. You would think that, look, obviously the favorite is Floyd and Manny. They're going to eventually do it again because, you know, yesterday the, there's this great video that Manny put out of uh, them doing a handshake. Uh, I think it was at Lakers Warriors. I might be mistaken there, but it was at a basketball game after the fight. And they have this awkward handshake that Manny super slow-mos. It's a hilarious video, but they're also smiling from ear to ear with each other. You know, these guys have made a lot of money for a long time off each other. Not just the fact that that first fight was was so rich and and making everybody pay for it, but also just the storyline of those guys chasing each other for the long, long time. So, you know, if you could put all the bull bleep aside, I mean, those those guys I imagine have a are going to have a good relationship in their old age with each other because I think they'll forever be tied. And, um, you know, it's all, it's kind of all done now. Like they've, they've both, they've both been to the, the highest highs of boxing. Um, they got to do their fight. Obviously it was a wild disappointment for boxing fans, but not a disappointment for their bank accounts. So I'm not sure. I don't know if they're going to end up doing the Manny Pacquiao fight with Floyd Mayweather. Keith Thurman, you know, I just, it doesn't do anything for me. Right now, and maybe that's because Keith hasn't really been, hasn't been in the limelight, and we haven't seen much of Keith Thurman lately. But yeah, just it 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 doesn't it doesn't it doesn't strike a nerve with me right now. Also, last night we had uh, Jaime Munguia. He got himself on the zone. He got himself a win. It was uh, it was a tough fight. You know, this wasn't a uh, this wasn't a, a case where he was taking on Takashi Inu over twelve rounds, and you know the card the cards and the judges standpoint was was very lopsided i would say a similar fight and style to uh thurman versus josezito lopez as far as Inu was just coming forward the entire time but mcgee's distance the um, 
the 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 room that he was able to have on these shots to hurt Inu on the way in was so so devastating. It really was tough for Inu to get anything near him. Um, but the young buck in, in Jaime Magia, he continues his rise. Uh, a good showing for him yesterday. And he gets himself a win. Coming up next week, we have UFC Fight Night in Brazil. Uh, and Fortaleza, Brazil. This one's going to be a fight night on ESPN+. Plus. Um... The main event's going to be Rafael Sunsal versus Marlon Marias. Both of these guys, you would think, are going to be fighting for a title shot at 135. Although, with some of the fallout with uh, Henry Cejudo and TJ Dillashaw, you know, who knows what's going to happen. I, I quite frankly, would like to see one of these guys fight for the title. You know, Sunsal and Dillashaw, are, they're, they, this would be the rubber match if they were both to fight. And Marlon Marais is so damn dynamic. He, I, I feel like he deserves a crack of the title. And quite frankly, I think it's going to be interesting to see what the lead-up is media-wise to this because the one thing that we can't ignore with the TJ loss, and I don't – look, I understand that TJ thought it was a bill bleep stoppage, and I know a lot of people are like, hey, it was too early. But again – we can't ignore the fact that it could have gotten a lot worse for TJ just because a referee stepped in between them. Let's not act like TJ was going to be Superman all of a sudden and and start cracking back uh, cracking back at uh, Henry Cejudo. You know, there is the very real possibility that it could have just gotten worse and he would have taken a worse beating. People often forget that. And, you know, it seems like the big thing here is that a rematch is coming. I don't want to see the rematch at 125 pounds again. TJ looked awful. He got barely clipped and was put on the canvas. He was just pushed down by Henry Cejudo like it was nothing. It just doesn't seem like his best weight class. I wasn't into the idea of it from the jump of TJ going down to 125. And the fact is, you got these these absolute killers at 135. I want to see this division flourish. Let's not ignore it. So... Rafael Asuncao and Marlon Marais should be hopefully fighting for something that is meaningful here. But it, it kind of feels like this is in this weird holding pattern. I, I like Marlon Marais. I'm a big fan of his, uh, the way he's been going about it lately. So I think he's going to get the, the the jump on Rafael Asuncao. But man, Asuncao, not the most pleasing style in the world. Um, just can, can, can lull you in, in crazy ways. So he's been on this run since the TJ Dillashaw fight. He's won four straight. Marias has also been killing it lately. These guys are really in this top position at 135, and it just feels like, man, maybe what's best is we all forget about what went down at at at, at the last UFC card, and you know TJ and Henry. Henry maybe defends a belt at 125, even though that's in a shaky place right now, uh, and TJ just kind of gets his wits about him and. They go independent, and maybe eventually they converge again. You know, I don't think that's the worst thing in the world. But the idea that we should do an immediate rematch after everything that surrounded this, I just I don't know if it's the soundest plan, especially when you got these good contenders there. Uh, the other big thing is uh, you got Haneto Makano. He is going to be taking on Jose Aldo. Uh, the big headline around this was Jose Aldo didn't want to do a five round fight. He was supposed to be the guy who was um, who was going to be headlining this card, but apparently didn't want to. Uh, didn't want to take a fight and have a five-rounder. Um, but Mikano is at this point right now where, you know, he is in that brink also at featherweight where he might be getting a title shot. Jose, he just had that dynamic win over Jeremy Stevens. Um, who knows how many fights Jose's got left. It's tough to count out a legend like him, man. You know, he the only losses that he's got are these, these high-profile Max Holloway, Conor McGregor. You're talking about two of the best to ever do it at that weight class. Jose Aldo was the king for so long there. Um, I'm going to go with Jose to get the win here. Um, I think he he put this in the position where he's fighting on his terms and his, in, in his, you know, his land. So I'm going to go with him to get the win. And it's a big pressure spot for Moicano. You're taking on this Brazilian legend. Um, that's a lot that you're throwing onto the young man's plate. So that's, uh, that's the co-main and main for next week. We'll have full reaction to it. Thanks to everybody for tuning in. And uh should be fun, man. We'll, uh, we'll be back same time, same place next week. 10 a.m. on Sunday, Fighters Fury. We'll, uh, we'll talk to you guys 
then. So Max Holloway is in Ireland. He is, I don't know, what is he doing? He's doing something with, uh, with, with whiskey, it looks like. He's doing this tour thing, and everybody is getting crazy. It, it, I got to be honest with you, like, seeing some of the, 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 the uh, MMA media freak out about this is a little bit nerdy. Uh, as far as Max is concerned, because he's in Ireland. I don't know what promotion he's doing. It was something with Jameson, and they're like, oh, my gosh, Max is doing something that this is the way to get the fight if you're talking about uh, another Roots and McGregor. And it's just like, ah, you know what, guys? I'm just, it, it doesn't vibe with me as far as Max Holloway touring Ireland, um, you know, going towards another whiskey. Like, that's going to be the way to get McGregor. If you think for for a minute that you know that is what's what's going to sell fight fans is a, a whiskey beef, I just think you got another thing coming with that. You know, Max Holloway has been an unbelievable featherweight champion. Uh, he's obviously very big for the division, and I think him versus Conor would be an awesome, awesome fight to do over again. You know, the last one was we're almost pushing five and a half years ago. I think that's enough, isn't it? Then, then just nerdy whiskey beef between these two, or or him going to visit Croke Park and and stuff like that. Um, it's fun. It's cool by Max. It's his style, <clears throat> but I can't say that it's uh, it's exciting me in any single way. There's only two people I want to see Connor fight uh, next, and one of them is Cowboy. The other one's Dustin Poirier. I think those are the two routes you go. Um, Max has his business at 145 right now. If it's in my opinion, and I just think that Cowboy versus him makes sense from a marketing standpoint. Um, the history between those two, it's a fresh matchup we haven't seen yet. Uh, so that one obviously makes a ton of sense. And then if you're just going to kind of stay within the rules and the, the limits of the division, Dustin and Connor, that feels like the right number one contender fight. And the title fight that they should do is Tony versus Habib. It, it makes too much sense otherwise everywhere else. So for me, that's where I want to see it right now. Um, but, you know, obviously, Max getting that crack at Connor again, I'm not saying it's not warranted. It definitely is. I think that that would be a fun fight as well. It's just, you know, and he's the he's the reigning featherweight champion right now. He's, he's incredible. Um, seems like he gets better every single time he steps in that cage. And I do think that... Um, a world where Max Holloway is is lightweight champ is not crazy to think about. I definitely don't think that. Um, but from my standpoint, this isn't what I, makes me want to see him versus Conor McGregor. But people are nerding out crazy about it. We also have uh, some heavyweight news as far as what's next with um, Anthony Joshua. Apparently, we were supposed to learn this week if Anthony Joshua was going to fight Jarrell Miller or Dillian White. I had uh, Jarrell Miller on the midday show this past week with uh, Tobin Leroy and Beast. And this is what Big Baby had to say about that. Can you give us the latest scoop on things, man? Because it looks like things are pointing in the direction. Are you going to be fighting uh, Anthony Joshua for the heavyweight championship of the world real soon? Uh, man, that guy's a prick. So I don't even know to tell the truth. But, you know, we'll see. We'll see. It all, it all depends. There's a couple of things in the middle. So we'll see. There's a lot, a lot of things that we're trying to figure out right now. There's a couple of things in between. But it's me and one other guy that's um, in talks, which is Dylan White. So we'll see. We'll know in a couple of weeks, you know, a week or so, a week or two. It really is really gonna put that money where your mouth is at. So uh, yeah, there's talks about it, but nothing in stone. From my standpoint, I think Jarrell Miller is fantastic for the heavyweight division. He looks different from everywhere else, from everyone else. Um, his desire to be the bad guy, the guy who will push buttons. Um, not to put him in this box too much, but he reminds me so much of of uh, the guy he calls Big Unk, Shannon Briggs. Uh, it's crazy. Um, not necessarily with the devastating knockout power that Shannon did, especially to the body, but um, just his style, man. He just doesn't mind ruffling feathers, and I love that about him. I love that he can be the antagonist, and I'm a big fan. I'm a big fan of Jarrell Miller, if you can't tell. I also love the fact that he travels. You know, he still trains down here with uh, uh, the guys in Fort Lauderdale, the former Black Zillions, who are now in, basically at Hard Knocks 365 with Henry Hoof's uh, gym. Um, I love that about him, and I, I, I would like a world where where Jarrell Miller was heavyweight champion. I really would. I think him fighting 
Anthony Joshua is so much more interesting than Dillian White. And Dillian has been great. He is he's got a drama to his fighting where it will look like he is losing and can come back and just put the lights out on you in a devastating fashion. He is a fun fighter. I'm not trying to I'm not trying to say that Dillian White shouldn't be in the mix, but to me he is the least interesting out of all these characters, if we were to put it in that regard. You know, he has had his crack at Anthony Joshua, so we've seen it before. You know, Dillian White versus Deontay I'd be into, and Tyson Fury I'd be into, but that particular matchup, we've seen it. Um, I do think that Anthony Joshua coming over to America would be a big deal. Let's see him in a huge pay-per-view, or I guess in this case it's going to be a DAZN matchup in prime time that everybody's into seeing. Let's see that. Let's let's see what that's going to be like. What a world of that is going to be like for him. Um, from my standpoint, I just think that uh, Jarrell Miller versus Anthony Joshua just is a lot more interesting of a fight than him versus Dillian White doing the all-British matchup, staying overseas. Something changed with Anthony Joshua because obviously the big heavyweight matchup everybody was going to want to see this year is going to be the rematch between uh, Deontay versus Tyson Fury. And I think Anthony Joshua needs to spring something new in there. And I don't think Dillian White is. I don't think a rematch against Dillian White is the, is the play there. So that's just, that's just my two cents on it. All right, everybody have a great rest of your day. That's my bonus segment for y'all. Um, so, yeah, should be a fun week. Love you guys. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.